I need to know everything Who in the what in the where I need everything Trust me, I hear what you're saying But I like it's new what you're telling me I'm curious, George I hop in the Porsche There's five and a horse I'm ready for war I'm coming for throws To turn to a ghost I need to know everything Now you be surprised at the info you get is by letting them talk, so I'm letting them talk. Gotta keep quiet, maneuver in signs to let them in talk. JK plus one. Uh, I am your host, Jonathan Kinchin. I'm not PTF because he's in um, Royal Ascot. You know, he's probably got a hat on. He always has a hat on. Uh, he's probably got his little coat and tails and his little vest and all that stuff. He's probably he's probably in the car park right now, setting it off. As a matter of fact, um, but we're wishing him luck over there. Uh, before we get started, I want to thank our friends at Qatar Racing um, for all of their support. And they'll like the guests we have today. They've won some big races together. And uh, speaking of our guest, uh, one of the, the – I, I didn't know this, but I know it now. One of the funnest guys in the jocks room, Florent Giroux. Uh, Flo, very funny, very hilarious. Um, uh, the, the first time I had dinner with him, he was like – he's like – Everyone else left. He's like, hey, let's hang out. Okay, Flo, whatever you say, bud. So uh, Flo, a, a lot of fun. We, we talked through his career, talk about some of his fun horses, um, talk about uh, just uh, you know his experiences, and he gives me some tips on the south of France and a lot of fun stuff. So uh, I, I won't hold you too long with me rambling on. We'll just jump in this thing and talk to Flo. Flo, what's going on? Hey, how are you, JK? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. I'm uh, I'm up here in Saratoga. You gonna you gonna come up and hang out with us a little bit this summer or what? Yes, of course. Yeah, I'll be there in about uh, a month. Sweet. Are you? Have you and uh, uh, John Panna got decided where you guys are gonna spend the majority of the summer, or is it still up in the air? Yeah, I think we pretty much leaning toward uh, Saratoga. To be honest, uh, just because uh, I think we have a nice group of. Uh, Horses, three-year-old, and some uh, nice two-year-old coming up too. And uh, we are running for the right people right now. And uh, we feel uh, it's probably the the best move. And uh, hopefully uh, add up some nice horses uh, for the summer too. You have a, a great relationship with, with – uh, you and Brad Cox kind of like – really started to blow up at the same time, which I, I thought was, was, uh, you know, it, it's kind of poetic, you know, and, and it's kind of similar a little bit to me, like feels a little bit kind of like Johnny and Todd where like, you know, Todd got started to get a lot of really good horses and then Johnny started to ride for him. And then they kind of teamed up to, to do a lot of damage. And it seems very similar to you and Brad's relationship where Brad really got going right when you really got going and you guys have kind of just been on the same uh, wavelength ever since. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. I think it's uh, probably part of like uh, how uh, successful uh, we've been, you know, together. Uh, it's just good uh, relationship, and I think uh, we like to work uh, together as well. You know, it doesn't matter if it's uh, prepping horses in the morning and uh, tactics uh, the afternoon. Uh, we have the same uh, point of view, and uh, I think uh, it's it's a team effort. At the end of the day, it's not uh, one. Uh, one-man show uh, type of uh, deal. I think uh, the more uh, people you add in your team and you have the same goal and also, uh, you know, we work as a team, that's how uh, you have the biggest uh, result, I would say. Flo, well, I want to go back to France at some point, but before we get there, I, I want to just dive right into to who feels like to me was probably, and no offense to the other ones, the best horse 
you ever rode, who is um, making is still making a huge impact on the game in, in Gun Runner. And and I want to go to a race when I had Mike Smith and I talked to Mike Smith about it about that uh, when Airgate ran down Gun Runner in Dubai. Did did you think you were home in that race? Yeah, I, th- I thought I was home. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I that's the race I, I lost, you know. Um, and people told me, oh, you know, Gun Runner became better, you know, uh, when he came when he got back from Dubai. Uh, I would say I think he was just as good as he when he was in Dubai too. Uh, he, the result back was amazing, uh, prepping you know for Dubai World Cup, and the um, when he went there, I thought I was home. You know, I couldn't feel like. And if you look at the the replay very closely, especially you know uh, from the three eight pole uh, all the way until the wire, I felt like I I had him, and he, he almost caught me off guard. He went by me so fast. I was just uh, starting to. Uh, uh, encouraging a uh, gun runner and uh, turning my uh, my stick over just to get him to to another gear and here he came he went by me so fast I was like wow I was just very uh, very stunned it's probably um probably the best race uh, I would say uh, I've seen from my own eyes from a from a racehorse it was just incredible uh, what uh, what uh, Arrogate did that day because he ran down uh, a special horse and to do it like this very easy just show you a uh, how good he was too. Do you look back through Gunrunner's career? And I, I look back and I see some of the horses that beat him. I'm like, how the hell did that horse beat him? <laughs> yeah, I know sometimes it's, it's weird. I mean, it's just the way it is. But yeah, no, I. It's funny. It's like a, it's the horse really. Uh, from the first time I I've rode him until the end, I I can't uh, recall uh, every single one of uh, of his races. Uh, there's not one of them where I'm like, oh yeah, I rode him in there, and uh, I don't quite remember the the race or who was in the race. I can tell you uh, pretty much uh, what what horse you know was was in the race, competing with him, uh, where I was um, positioning the horse, thing like this. I it's uh, it's pretty neat actually to remember every single uh, races you know from uh, from one horse, especially when I rode the horse you know multiple times. Well, so, so what was the origin story there? How, how, how did you, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm assuming that it was just a situation where you were, uh, you were in, in Louisiana and Steve wanted to run him in the risen star and Ricardo was probably in Oakland because Ricardo rode him the first three times. Was, was it pretty straightforward how you got the mount or was it a little bit uh, trickier than what it looks like on paper? No, I think there was, like you said, you know, pretty much what you said, you know, Ricardo is based over there uh, during the winter times uh, at Oakland, and I was based at uh, at the fairground. I was doing very well at the time, uh, starting to ride uh, more and more for uh, Steve Asmussen, and uh, from there it just came pretty much, you know, naturally, and uh, I started walking the horse, you know, I would say maybe a month before he started uh, running in the uh, Reason Star, so I probably breeze him like we see probably three times before he ran. And uh, from there, I just rode him the first time. And uh, I mean, I thought he was a nice horse, but uh, no one really knew how, how special he was. Uh, really, until I... Even the reason star was good, but I wasn't, like, blown away, to be honest. It's really in the Louisiana Derby, when you win very easily, I was like, all right, uh, I think we have uh, something special. But I think everything was very... Went according to plan. I don't think uh, Steve wanted and his team wanted the horse 110% for the reason start. He wanted to make sure the horse was able to to improve to uh, all the way to, to run for the derby. 
How, how about the Derby? Any, anything about that day that you, you know, going back, you'd, ah, I wish you, I would have done this or, ah, is there, was there a part in the race where you, you feel like something happened that, that changed the outcome? No, actually it was my first, uh, Derby ride. Uh, I had, um, I was supposed to ride the Derby the year before for, uh, for Todd Pletcher and the horse, um, ended up scratching the day before the race. So I was pretty, uh, pretty bummed about that. So Gunrunner was my first uh, first derby ride, and you know all the other jockeys, the guy older than you, uh, they they prep you up a little bit, they give you some pointers, and they say, hey, listen, uh, doesn't matter how many derby uh, you've ridden, uh, you never you know prepare for this kind of race. It's very intense, twenty horse field, lot of horses, lot of bumping going on, especially coming into the first turn. So make sure you you well, you know, you take a spot and you you stick with it. You know, don't try to. To make some uh, some crazy move because uh, you're gonna pay the price, and uh, I was very focused and I thought I, you know, studied the race pretty good and and uh, I mean I caught a flyer. I remember the horse broke from the gate and just like completely flew. And I remember there was a horse uh, all the way on my outside. I'm gonna try to remember the name. Um, Mike was riding. Uh, he drove the twenty. He was a sprinter from California. Uh, uh, um, was it Baffert yeah. horse? No, it was a uh, yellow and uh, yellow silks and red. I would say the dancing candy was his name. Oh, very good, very good. Yeah, very fast horse. Yeah, uh, cliff size uh, older guy, and uh, from California, the horse he was supposed to be the the horse on lead, and ever everyone pretty much knew he was going to be on lead and and fade because on paper it looked like he couldn't get the distance. So he said, oh, I'm going to be probably third, fourth, fifth right there. And I broke, and here I am. I'm in front of him. I remember when I watched the replay a few times, and I keep looking right. I'm like, oh, where is that thing? I'm like, he drove from the outside, but I'm like two lengths in front of him. I'm like, he's got to go at some point. If not, I'm going to go. And uh, finally, Mike, you know, came flying on the outside and crossed over me. So coming into the first turn, I was right behind him. I was laying third, beautiful spot. And uh, the favorite uh, was right outside of me, uh, Nyquist. And I remember uh, actually in the backside, Mario took him off uh, the rail and came and went uh, in the four pass. And I'm like, all right, I'm like, if you don't want that spot, I'm going to take it. So I took there and I was laying second. And when the horse, you know, fade, um, dancing candy, start making the lead, you know, from the three pole. And from there, I can hear the, the crowd, you know, uh, the, the people staying by the quarter pole from the top of the stretch, you know, those bleachers there. And yeah, you yeah. can hear them like, you know, screaming. I, I never hear anybody when I ride the, a race. You, usually you focus and you don't even hear the announcer or, or the crowd. And I remember that day I was like, wow. I'm like, what? Damn it. I might win that thing. And I look on my right and <laughs> when they quit, you know, cut him loose, he went by me uh, very fast. But that was very uh, exciting race. And uh, I was pleased of myself too because I, I thought I, I handled uh, my first derby mount. Uh, good and I, I thought I rode the horse uh, really good and I finished third and I think that day I don't think I could have done uh, any better so I was I mean I would have loved to win the derby don't get me wrong but I was also proud of myself to say all right uh, that was the biggest race I ever ridden in my career and I, I didn't uh, mess it up so hopefully he's going to add uh, some more and bring me some more opportunity uh, and, and it really did when you you know, I, I always, I'm sure it happens to you all the time. And like, you know, you get an Uber or, 
you're sitting in, in on a plane and you sit next to someone and they start talking to you and they say, Oh, you know, what do you do? And, Oh my, you know, I, 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 I'm a, an analyst on TV for horse racing. Oh, have you ever been in the Kentucky Derby? That's always the first question I of ask. Course. So I, when I'm sure when they tell, when you tell people that you're a jockey, I'm sure they ask you, have you ever won the Kentucky Derby? What answer <laughs> do you give them <laughs> on the airplane? Yeah, I said, yeah, sort of. I told him sort of. I don't say, yes, I win it. Uh, Google my name and it's going to pop up. Uh, but I said, yeah, sort of. I, I say one year I came very close to win it. And the horse who won the race uh, got disqualified because he he had a bad test. And that's how I ended up winning. So, And people say, oh, congrats. You know, they really don't say, hey, you didn't win the derby. But they, they also, at the end of the day, my name is in the uh, history book, you know. So I mean, uh, <laughs> don't get me wrong. As a, as a personal feeling, I want to cross the wire first. There is no nothing like this. Uh, I will give up uh, the money prize just to to have the feeling uh, of winning the Derby. Uh, but you know, I also take it too. You know, who knows uh, what would have happened? You know, if the horse, you know, uh, would have not uh, make you know the. You know, because now they do like a pre-race, you know, testing thing like this, and they are a little more and more, you know, uh, stronger with that. Uh, that's the way it is, you know. But uh, kind of feel bad because I thought, you know, Bob and his team, you know, did a great job, you know, coming uh, into the race with the horse. The horse looked good, ran great. It's not the horse fault, you know. It was just a little bit of a of a mistake, you know. And uh, they they pay a very uh, very heavy price for that. Yeah, no, I mean, it makes sense to me. I, I would definitely, I would, I would do the same thing you did. I, I would just tell them, yeah, I won the Kentucky Derby. I'd let them figure it out on their own if they wanted to, uh, <laughs> if they had any, if they had any additional questions. <laughs> uh, Flo, it, it's uh, one of the things that, you know, getting to know a lot of you guys that I've, I've always thought was, was, was really cool is, is that, you know, obviously you're out there and you're competing with one another, but you all seem to have, you know, I'm sure there's some people that don't have great relationships, but have great relationships. Like, you know, and especially the guys that you guys are competing for the same barns even too. Like, you know, I, I, I've seen you and Ricardo hanging out and, at dinner and, and getting on well. And, and, um, is that important to you to, 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 you know, you're around those guys all the time to, to have those great relationships? No, I think he, I think it's very important. And, uh, I think I'm, uh, I'm very open-minded, uh, person. I like to, to talk, you know, with, uh, with everybody, I like to be in a, in good term. Don't get me wrong. When uh, when it's race day and uh, it's a race and we are next to each other, there's no uh, we're not giving somebody uh, any advantage. You try to win the race, you know. You, you're getting into a dog fight and you get uh, you get excited. You want to win. Doesn't matter who who's next to you, even if it's your best friend, brother, or you know anyone. But I would say overall, yeah, I think it's important to have a good uh, relationship with with everybody, and uh, I love the game, and uh, I love people in general. So, did did it did it help when you came over to to have people like uh, you know countrymen like like Julian and and, and I know Flavian kind of came after you did, but did that help? Did that kind of help the transition for you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I would say Julian is probably one of my best friends, no doubt. And uh, he's a great uh, mentor too. He's an unbelievable uh, person as well. Uh, you won't find any, uh, you know, yeah, he has a big heart and uh, he's always here to, to help you. And when I came over right away, he really uh, took care of me. It doesn't matter if it's, uh, you know, riding or 
it was also some uh, stuff you know in personal life because when you came over there's a lot of things who who are changing you come here and you don't have any family and uh, i felt like i always been part of his family and he, he always took care of me very well and introduced me to to everyone uh, he knew and um, later on when i start uh, doing better you know he was uh, i can tell even now i think he's very very proud of me and i, I can tell and we talked about that before and uh, I would say Julian is more than a friend, he's more like a, a brother to me, especially uh, because we know each other for, for so long, even before uh, before America. And when I came here, he was definitely one of the first uh, person to to give me a push and always uh, giving me support and uh, helping me. Did, did his success uh, here, did that kind of influence your decision when you decided to come to, to the U.S.? Yes, a little bit, because, you know, it shows uh, it was possible. I always loved the the races uh, in America in general. I have never been, but I was always watching Breeders' uh, Cup racing. I was excited, you know, when I remember it was the, the winter of uh, when Inveso won the race. It was really the, the click uh, for me. Uh, I see a young jockey, uh, Fernando Hara, 18 years old, winning the Classic. And those kind of things in France or Europe, it, it's almost impossible because... All the big stable have a have a contract jockey, so it doesn't matter if you break the horse maiden or you can find the horse uh, somewhere. At the end of the day, you're not gonna ride the horse. It's gonna be the guy under contract who's gonna end up sitting on the horse. Even if the trainer would love to give you the opportunity, uh, he's under contract with the owner, so they just can't. So it's very uh, limited opportunity, and I just felt like, you know what? I just feel like he's the right place, maybe to to go and maybe be someone, you know, different. There, Like people seeing you uh, different, like being like a classic jockey or riding those big horses. And uh, so I just have to, to leave, you know, the winter just to check it out. And uh, went uh, to California working for Patrick Biancon that, that year. And uh, just loved it right away when I get off the airplane and stuff like this. It was pretty much like uh, I've seen uh, in the movies you know, with the palm trees and the streets and all the stuff. And really, I got it right away. And um, after a few weeks, uh, Patrick decided uh, uh, to start working on my uh, working visa and stuff like this with his lawyer. And from there, uh, I came back and never left. So pretty uh, incredible story. How, uh, how, how much of an adjustment was it for you with the dirt? You know, obviously switching from, you know, Europe is, is basically all turf and synthetic a little bit was it a huge adjustment for you or did you did you catch on pretty quickly i will say to be honest i think i catched on pretty quick my first really meet was a uh, full meet was arlington park and, and at the time they were uh, uh, synthetic so it was pretty track and turf and big white turf course so it was good but the winter i decided to stay in chicago uh, to start having like uh, a more like a routine type of circuit i didn't want to move from uh, you know, place to place. I want to make sure people start knowing me. And, you know, just like me in Chicago, winter time, there's no grass. So, and hot on dirt racing. So I was on dirt for pretty much six months out of the year. So I think it really gave me, a, it really gave me a good push to adapt because it was the only surface we, we raced on for a very long time. So, uh, and I spent a few winter over there hot on. So it was a, it was a pretty, uh, uh, we say easy uh, transition. Yeah, you know, 
I, I was going to ask you, cause I was, uh, one of my, you know, one of my best days, um, that helped me win this contest was when you won with the pizza man, um, Arlington million at, at Arlington park. And okay. I, I thought to myself, you know, that's gotta be a pretty special place for you, Arlington park. And, and while I know that, that Arlington going away was probably sad for a lot of people, I, I, I figured that probably you'd be one of those people that, uh, sad to see it go. Yes, definitely. Uh, it was, I would say, I would say definitely top three won my f- best race I've, I've ever won in my life just because it was very uh, meaningful to win the, the signature race in my home track. And uh, it was, at the time, still a very tough race to win. Uh, you have some of the best hero who comes over, they're really pointing for the race. Uh, you have pretty much the best of horses in America competing and here I am me with a homebred uh, Illinois bred local horse who, tra- <laughs> who trains there I mean it's just crazy to, to, to win the race and um, I was able to put it off and uh, something I will never forget and now looking at it and looking at you know uh, Churchill Downs saying the place to Chicago Bears and having this stadium and now the place getting to be uh uh, destroyed very soon. It's very, uh, very, very sad to have like a, a grandstand or just a place, you know, this magnitude and uh, also uh, so well, you know, maintained and also unbelievable uh, uh, grandstand. It's just very sad to to see it go for sure. Another important uh, Chicago horse to you, I would imagine, work all week. Yeah, work a week, same thing. I picked him up for the same trainer and connection, owner of Midwest Torbred. Picked him up, uh, start working on him and start winning some races at Horton and Arlington and make our way all the way to my first ride in the um, in the Breeders' Cup and uh, winning one. So pretty, pretty special too and uh, give me a good push because I, I always say at the time when I rode my first Breeders' Cup and I win it, people say, oh, everything came after that, you know, easy. I remember I came back and people said, oh, yeah, win the Breeders' Cup. But they did think that was just a lucky, uh, that was just a, that was the, the chance of the, the beginner uh, just getting lucky once. And after that, you know, I started keep, keep, keeping uh, walking really hard and uh, start adding up some uh, other ho- nice horses. And after that, it's almost like a snowball effect. But uh, it was definitely um, one of the first ones who, who gave me the push to the bigger stage for sure. Were you were you worried about the draw for work all week when you drew the fourteen? No, I was not. No, I uh, know it was extremely fast, and from there I said, "All right, I I can go, or I can stalk. I don't see any." Uh... Because sometimes those sprint races like this, when there's a lot of speed and you draw in the middle, if you make one bad step, leaving the gate, then you have speed inside outside. The race is over. It's finished. You can up instead of going one two, you can end up going maybe four fifth six. Or you have to use your horse extremely hard just to maintain a position. And from there, uh, the horse doesn't have uh, any chance to get a breather. And from there, the, the race is over. So it's almost better sometimes to have good speed and drawing the outside. It, usually, it's always been working good for me. Just because you can place the horses well and give them a breather when you want to, not when you have to. Is, is that the same situation that you had with, with Mongolian Saturday as well? Yeah, same thing. Right? I was like, there was a speed horse who just went straight to the lead and uh, cut some other guy off. 
from there I just followed the movement and from there I was end up to a great spot. This guy was more like a um I would say uh, not say lucky but uh I was a little bit more surprised by uh by how well he ran because it was an extremely tough race. And uh but the walk a week I had more walk a week I knew the horse more and I had more faith coming into the race. So we've talked about some of your Breeders' Cup wins. We talked about uh, the Pizza Man and, and Gun Runner, and uh, we 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 got to talk a little bit about Monomoy Girl. Um, I, I played in the Breeders' Cup Betting Challenge the year that you won um, that you won the Classic. I mean, not the Classic, the Distaff, excuse me, at at Keeneland. And I was playing in the contest. I had forty five thousand uh, dollars on one of my entries, and uh, I bet it all on you to win. <laughs> Oh, good. <laughs> I, 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 oh, that's good. I'm happy you did that. Not, not the, um, not the best trip I had with her. I mean, people were taking shots at me, a the door race. I mean, I couldn't do anything without somebody making a move inside or trying to push me out. Uh, a lot of things going on, and I, I felt like that day was probably one of the best, best race she ever ran, just because she outcome you know, multiple uh, time uh, move, but. Uh, no, I think that was like that was pretty special, especially winning the second Breeders' Cup after a 15 months layoff, missing the the entire season of 2019. Pretty special, you know, to to win a race like that. With her, I was I was blown away to be honest. How good was she on the grass? I mean, you 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 won with her on the grass. How how good was she have been on the grass? I think she would have been fine on the grass too. The, my biggest regret, maybe with her, is not taking against the boys because I'm. Guaranteed, hundred percent, she would have beat them, especially a race like the Cigar Mile or something like that. I think she would have been, uh, she she would have been pretty special in the race like that. Did was it? You know, I there was a lot to be said about kind of the way she ran with her head up. Was it? Was it? Did you? I mean, is that something as a rider you can tell a lot, right? Because their their heads just kind of in your face a little bit. Yeah, you can tell, and you can you can also feel it too. It's more like a. I mean, obviously, a lot of people have seen it because she was very popular and people were used to see her run. But on uh, on on her back, it was hard because I felt like sometimes I was going from like uh, 40 miles an hour to 30 miles an hour in like in a second just because she felt like the race was over and her job her job was finished, and it was not. Uh, so it, it's pretty sad because honestly, I really do think. She probably should have been undefeated, you know, no problem. The race I've lost uh, in the Upper Blossom, our last race, I, I thought I should have never lost that one just because I was going so easily next to like Trusca and he was absolutely uh, done at the 316. I had him measured like for sure and she just pulled herself up and, and got me beat and, and she did the same thing as a two-year-old in the Golden Rod. So those are two races she lost by another horse and... Both of those races, she had the lead 50 yards before the wire. So it just told you like how good she was. She, I would say she should have been undefeated, just too bad. But uh, was her, uh, that's the way she went. But maybe that's the way uh, that kept her uh, going for so long because she never goes 100% uh, to the finish line. And maybe she always kept, some, kept something left for the next race too. Yeah, she was, she was, uh, she was outstanding. I, I, I forget sometimes that... You know that she. I guess there's the cotillion that that she got beat, but that 
you know, she was disqualified, but you know, um, or wait, wait, the, the cotillion. Yeah. 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 Cotillion, she got disqualified. She got beat twice, like well, fair and square. She got beat in a golden run as a two-year-old. Right, right, right. After she won the uh, Rex to Riches Stakes, the prep, the local prep at Churchill, and she got beat her last race at the uh, in the Apple Blossom. Cotillion, she win it. I got DQ because she 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 drift out. But I mean that day, everyone knew that Minai Bizu would have never gone by me. That was just like a, a guess. And when yeah. Uh, when yeah, it's yeah. a guessing game and the the steward doesn't know for sure, then they're making the call. But it, that day he could have gone 50 too. It's not like I uh, I cut him off and he had to check. He, he, I just slightly drift him out and he, he lost, you know, several pass. But at the end of the story, he got beat maybe like a, like a good length that day. Yeah, she was, she was, uh, she was outstanding. Flo, you, you got like a, you've, you've got like a mind, like a trainer. You like, you like, you like a lot of riders don't remember all the details. It's, you know, like Brad Cox, obviously you've dealt with Brad. Like he, he can remember damn everything about every horse and every race and what price he was, where he broke from. But you've got, you've got a pretty good, uh, pretty good memory as well. Well, okay. You say, uh, Brad keep me on my toes too. You know, we talk a lot of, uh, of horse <laughs> racing stuff. So I got a, I gotta keep searching and make sure my more my 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 memory stays well. No, I'm no, I just like I just like it. That's something I, I like to do. I like to making a research and and also it's a it's a game I love. And uh, you can't uh, teach someone to be passionate about the game. You have it or you don't. And uh, I think uh, I have it. So, do you do you watch races when you're not riding? Yeah, I do. I actually have. Pretty busy schedule usually morning time when I'm done walking horses uh, in the morning. I turn on, you know, I still follow uh, pretty closely the the, the French uh, French races, so I like to watch that thing like this. And they like this morning. Of obviously, I watch you know several races at uh, at uh, at Ascot. It's always a, a meet I like and big races and good horses and it's a uh, it's fun uh, watching those things, but. Uh, Morning, yeah, I'm watching uh, races from Europe, and afternoon, I'm watching uh, races from here. You've spent ex- extended times in some fun cities. I mean, you've you obviously been in New Orleans a lot. You're uh, in Lexington a lot. You're in Chicago. You've done New York. Um, you did Del Mar. W- which kind of your favorite, outside of the racing, racing aside, where's kind of your favorite place to kind of hang out, dinner, you know, where, where's your best? Where's your, where, where's the place you enjoyed the most? Oh, I have lots. I mean, I would say my soft spot, maybe in Chicago, just because, you know, my family, they're all from there. And, you know, I love the, the city in Chicago in general, great sports city and also uh, amazing food. Uh, I love going to New York. I love uh, spending time in Manhattan and things like this. When I go to New York, it's always a plus. But I really liked actually uh, last year, um, Saratoga, I love it too. I mean, amazing place. And I really like uh, Delmar last year. I was very, uh, very blown away by uh, by Delmar during uh, d- during the All Meet during uh, July and August. Very fun city, and the weather is amazing. Uh, just a cool place, and uh, I really liked it actually last year. Delmar was my first time over there, and uh, if I had to do it again, uh, I'd definitely uh, try to do it. So take me back to France. Um, your your father was a jockey. 
and and then turned into a trainer. And then when you were 13, you, you decided to, to join the writing Academy. Like how did all of that unfold? Did you, did you know you were going to be a writer when you were five or was it something that just kind of came along? What, what was your journey kind of through that beginning until you got on the plane to come to America? Oh, so like you said, no, my, my dad, uh, Dominique was, uh, a jockey first and later became a, a trainer. I was into races, but not so much, you know, I come to the barn once in a while and seeing, you know, horses running at the racetrack and stuff, but uh, that was not really my, my thing. I like to play sport and really do like, you know, other kids my age were doing. I thought it was a little bit uh, boring at the time, you know, if you ask me if I wanted to become a soccer player or, or a jockey, I will tell you a soccer player at the time. But I think by... When I became more like 11, 12 years old, it started getting more in my mind. I can tell I was not growing very fast. Uh, I had the perfect uh, body type to, to become a jockey. And uh, my dad just put it in my ear, said, listen, uh, next year, you know, you can apply to go to the jockey school. Uh, they make, uh, they have like some kind of like uh, test, you know, to, to run first, make sure, you know, uh, you have the same. You have the right size and the weight, and also no physical problem to to become a jockey and be accepted by the by the school. He said, "Listen, next year they're gonna do that. If you wanna try it, uh, go f- try it. And if you don't like it, just come back home." And uh, and I I did over there, and I did two weeks over there in July. Just uh, they they call that the, the pre-exam, just because starting to the 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 racing academy who starting the year in September. And I did that, and I really liked it. And uh, from there, I just uh, just stayed there. And uh, it's a three or four years program. I started getting in. I was uh, 13 years old, and uh, taking my license when I was uh, jockey license when I was 16. But at the time, I was still very uh, small and uh, very very light. It took me a very long time to to grow uh, to my adult size and my waist size. So I really started riding when I was like uh, late 16, beginning of 17. And from there, I just started uh, winning some races. And after that, you know, did pretty good, uh, I would say, when I, when I was in, racing in France. Was it, a, was it a, a hard decision? Was it a, you know, hey, I'm going to America, leaving next week, see you guys? Or, or <laughs> how, did, how did the whole decision process come along? Yeah, actually, that was during the, the winter season. Uh, it was right at the beginning uh, of uh, December. And usually it's a little bit uh, all the good racing at the time in France. Everywhere is gone because there's no more grass. And the only grass racing is uh, south of France. And the mid doesn't start until uh, mid-January. You you race in uh, Cannes-sur-Mer. It's near uh, Cannes and Nice. It's uh, southeast of France, very at the border of Italy. It's a beautiful place, actually. And actually, when I was doing there, I was always one of my main mid main meet because some of the top jockey were not you know riding over there so i was going over there and i was winning a lot of races so that was a tough one to not go but i just felt like there was something i i want really wanted to try and uh and when no when i came here i didn't have really the um uh, the idea of uh of staying here it was more to check things out it was not like, all right, I'm going to pack my bag. Uh, it's a one-way ticket not coming back. No, I knew exactly when I was coming back and uh, when I was leaving. 
it's when at the end of my stays when I decided to to really uh to really stay here in America. How, how was your, how was your English when you came? Because look, I I've always lived in, in the <laughs> U.S., but I've always thought to myself that would be the hardest part is like, shit, man, like going to some other country where I can't speak. I mean, I can't even go on, like when I go on vacation to somewhere where they don't speak English, I just, I, it's like the hardest thing in the world. H- how was your English when you came over? Uh, very basic, uh, pretty much uh, not, no English. I was lucky because I was, like I said, I was working for Patrick Bianco at the time. The all, everybody, everyone walking there was speaking French. Julian was speaking French. I was speaking French. The assistant were French. The exercise writer were French. So here we are, we are like, you know, five, six guys all talking French. So I didn't even need to speak English. And I didn't learn much <laughs> during that time, to be honest. Uh, I just picked it up. I think if you want to communicate to people and you have no choice, you're going to learn. Uh, there's a lot of people who go to countries with doesn't know the language. I knew very basic, but uh, I think I'm pretty outgoing and I like to communicate with people, but you gotta you gotta learn and i think uh when you're uh, you know when you when you don't have any choice that's how you learn really really quick it's almost like a survival uh, type of uh, deal and uh here i am i think i i speak uh speak all right now when you and julian and and, and flavian are in the room together do you speak french to each other yeah it comes uh, autom- it, it comes automatic sometimes some guys you know especially the some, uh, you know, the Latinos right there, they, they, they're looking at us, they don't really understand what's going on. <laughs> and they say, man, talk uh, speak uh, English. We're not trying to, like, you know, have some kind of code, you know, but we, <laughs> it just comes like this. We just don't, we just, it's a switch. We don't really pay attention. It comes uh, naturally. So, yeah, come on. I can't imagine that Irad and <laughs> Jose are speaking English to each other in the room. No, no, they don't. And, uh, I mean, <laughs> I mean, us, we can understand Spanish because we've been here for a long time and we speak it a little bit, but uh, those guys speaking French to them, it's a very hard language to, to learn. And they are like, ah, oh, they, they have no clue. What about with like, uh, we, I was talking to uh, Rudy, uh, Rudolph Brissett the other day yeah. at Belmont, and he was talking about how his, his, his kid doesn't speak any French. And I was like, well, you don't speak French to your kid at all? And he's like, I, he goes, sometimes I speak English to like, Florent into Julian and into Flavian sometimes. Like I just, it's like, it's just like, it's been so long. I've just, I just stopped yeah. speaking French. Yeah, no, you, you do. And honestly, there's sometimes some words we, we forget because we not, uh, we just don't practice. And uh, no, it's hard, especially when, if both of the parents are French, you're going to talk French, you know, at home and the kids going to speak French. Like uh, Flavian. Flavian, he, his wife, uh, is French and the kids are speaking French because they, that's the, all they speak. But uh, myself, Julian, or, or Rudy, uh, you know, our partner's wife, they, they, they're American. So we speak English at home. So now for the kids to learn, it's a little bit harder. My kids speak a little bit because they were able to learn from myself or my dad when he was coming over or I put them in French school um, while we were in New Orleans uh, for the winter before. But now it's been a few years and they start uh, slowly uh, forgetting uh, things. They still understand, but they have a tough time now speaking because it's not the language they, they, they are practicing. Flo, I'm going to need your help. I, uh, <laughs> my wife and I were supposed to go to um, 
after the meet, we, you know, we had to come back after we got married, we had to come back because, you know, Belmont was right around the corner. So we were going to do our honeymoon after, um, after Saratoga. And we're thinking, we're thinking South of France. Yes, of course. Yeah. I think that's where it should be. South they of France, they, they don't race in the summer, do they? Don't, don't get me in trouble. I'm just checking. Do they race in the summer down there? Uh, yeah, yeah. They race all the time. It is never ends over there. I'll find you something. I'll find you at least one day at the racetrack. I think, uh, I think your wife should be okay to let you go at least one day. You got to check it out when you're there. Just one day. I got to, I got to say that I did it. Yeah. So (laughs) we're thinking, but we're trying to figure out where we should kind of let be our home base. Like, should we make Nice our home base? Should we make can our home base? Like where, where's the best place to set up shop to kind of be our, and then we'll take the train to other places for a couple of days and have one home base. Yeah. I think maybe I would say Nice is probably the biggest city, but from Canto, it's not very far. It's maybe no traffic, maybe 10, 15 minutes. It's very, uh, everything is very close up to each other. You can even be based in uh, something in the middle, depending what your schedule is uh, supposed to be. But you can do pretty much uh, Nice, Cannes, uh, uh, Villefranche. You can do uh, uh, Monaco too. Everything in train, it takes you maybe 15, 30 minutes, you know, train ride just to, to go to from maybe some Monaco to, to Nice, thing like that. I think it depends really, but I would say maybe Nice is probably the biggest city where you have a little more choice of, of restaurant and thing like that. Okay. Well, there it is. Uh, nice it is. Um, you, I, I hope Julian comes to Saratoga this summer because I have an awesome idea. You're going to love it. I have an idea to do a cart talk with you, <laughs> Flavian, and Julian. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, Julian, he's planning on coming, actually. He's going to come. He's in, Perfect. Uh, he's in England right now, so he's going to take care of business tomorrow <laughs> in the Prince of Wales. I wish him luck. Who's he, who's he riding tomorrow? Classic Cosway. Oh, that's right. Yes. I think he should yeah. be on the lead. The question yeah. is he's going he's gonna to have to stay on the lead. That's the, the toughest part. Yeah, he better, he, better, he better get out there and roll. I think American Rascal is our best chance. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, the Wesley sword. I think that that horse, I think, is pretty fast. Um, Fly. It's funny. I, I was just thinking about this. Uh, uh, a, a funny story that I forgot about, where it, it feels like kind of the moment that you and I became friends was back. Um, it was back in 2021. It was uh, February 13th, and it was down at the fairgrounds, and you had just ridden travel column. And Clarier uh, caught you there late, and I think on the show I like you sent me a. It's funny, I'll 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 read it, but you sent me a link of like uh, that I had like said, you know, basically I was yeah, saying yeah. like <laughs> that you were you're overconfident and you should have went on with it, blah blah blah. And then you sent the link, and I got I got I, I just read it again. It was so funny. I got so defensive. I was like, ah, oh. I said, oh shit. And I said, I'm certain in your career. <laughs> I said, I'm certain in your career you have said or done something you believe was right. That might have offended someone else. Um, I consider Doug, your, your previous agent, a friend, and, and you can't find that I've ever talked poorly of you. I, I have never sat on a horse's back and respect what you do immensely. Uh, I hope you understand my responsibility to say what I feel. Despite that, I, I always try to stay respectful. Uh, I was disappointed in the ride on the Philly. I might be right. And I might be wrong. I hope you don't take it personally. And then you were like super gracious. You were just like, Oh, don't worry. I was just kidding with you. <laughs> Um, you know, and then you said, you said, I know, I know, I know when I messed up and really like how you analyze races. And, and then, uh, and then you said, hope to see you soon. And then we've had dinner like four times since then. So 
it's, but, you know, uh, I thought uh, I thought to myself, you know, because I think I, obviously I like what you do, and I think we have this. You have a good uh, state of mind. You're trying to understand racing also as like uh, uh, trips. Sometimes you can have the best horse, but if you see speed, speed, speed outside, doesn't matter how good the jockey is or thing like this. Sometimes you know it's not gonna be the right setup, and even if it's the best horse, it's not gonna work out. And I think you you you're looking at this type of uh, possibility very very well. And sometimes you don't mind switching horses just because you hate the setup on on the the horse you would have loved to pick. And I think that, uh, and some I think it's like a, I think it's a bigger advantage you you have to put yourself also as the the mind of the rider. But to come back to the race, yeah, I was very disappointed. I really thought I had it, and like you said, overconfident. And I really thought uh, it cost me big. Uh, I thought I had it measure, and I wanted to do the right thing for the filly because it was the first race of the layoff and we know she had like a long campaign as a trio and this and that and uh i really want i wanted to build on, on the race and i come back and i was like damn, damn it, that's hard. i messed up as i thought right right away i should have gone on with it this that still very proud of the the effort of the filly but didn't like the outcome at all and uh four weeks later you know same same horses pretty much well back in the fragrance oaks and from there, I didn't look back uh, very long. Uh, I start pushing the button right away and open up on Claire and was able to uh, held her off uh, pretty well in that uh, in the race. So I learned from my mistake. At least I missed up one, but uh, I we got rewarded and I won the right one. So. Yeah, but you know, it's like, it's funny though, because, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. There's a couple things about that. One is Claire Air turned out to be pretty damn good. So like getting beat by her that day. It's not like it was some embarrassing moment, but the thing is, is like one of the things that I've tried to um, is, is, you know, there's some analysts and, and I'm not picking on anyone, but everyone's going to know what I'm saying, but I'm not picking on anyone. There's some analysts that love to turn to the rider for the, for, for fault. And in the way that I look at that is that sure, there's times that you will make a mistake that, will cost me a bet but there's also times where you'll make a mistake that helped me win a bet and so i try not to i try not to like allow myself to get too caught up in that because it's if you know if if you if you because when you're zigging i'm zagging i'm zagging you're zigging and it just it doesn't make any sense and i also think it kind of slows down my growth process of trying to analyze the race more efficiently because part of the game is predicting what you're going to do or how you, what decisions you're going to make it's part of it if it if it wasn't then they would just let those horses run around there and circle by themselves and then we'd see what happens it just doesn't it doesn't work and so i've always tried to to be respectful in that arena and you'll never see a jockey chase me off of a set for making fun of them or, or blaming them for something unfairly just because it's like you know i just don't really do that yeah no i think it's uh like you say it's very you no know, nice from you and also it makes perfect sense to to me and that's why you know i always respect you know your opinion and like i said you know i like how you handicap you know uh racing and i think you bring a little bit uh a fresh hair to uh to the industry uh, right now it's a game who's changing and i feel like uh, we, we need some uh, uh we need some changes and we cannot be dressed you know and uh like uh, people they used to to be you know in uh 
in the forties or fifties, yeah, it's nice to be dressed up. This that uh, this, you know, certain you know uh, dress code things, whatever. But at the end of the day, you need to bring more people into the game. You know, if you want, if we need the the game to to survive, you, you need to adapt. Uh, it doesn't matter on on what it is. You know, uh, uh, great. You know, uh, television. You know, uh, support. Uh, amazing. You know, uh, images. Uh, documentary like a Netflix type of like uh, Drive to Survive for Formula One things. We need to educate uh, people outside uh, of uh, horse racing who doesn't know nothing about it. Uh, we do care about the animals. We do care about the surface. Uh, yes, it's a it's a business with a lot of money, but at the end of the day, we all have the the same passion, which the is the animal that's the horse, and uh, I think it's pretty cool and. I'm hoping, you know, people like you who are, you know, being on the TV and talking on the TV all the time can can bring you that. And I feel like you, I feel like you do. And uh, I like, you know, I like what you do. And, and I'm hoping you can bring some fans and maybe some future, you know, uh, future fans into the game. Flo, you've, you've, uh, you know, you're, you're a guy who, when it comes to your riding style, which, you know, you, Julian, Flavian, it was, I don't know why you guys, maybe, maybe it was because of the, of the origination in France and starting with grass, but all three of you guys at one point, I, I used to think overrated horses. Like I used to be like, God damn, they're always rating. They're always rating. But now all three of you, and especially Julian, he's sneaky. When he finds the lead, he's dangerous. And you and Flavian, especially, especially with your working with Brad Cox, when you're on the front end, I have a ton of confidence. Was that, was that, a, was that a, uh, is that something that you, you feel like you cautiously tr- or consciously tried to switch up or did it just kind of come with experience in, and I, I look, I was probably unfairly saying you were overrating horses. I'm, I'm not saying I was no, right. No, no, you got better. Um, it, it, but, but now it's not something that really comes up when you're supposed to be on the front end, you're on the damn front end and you're on the front end, letting them roll. Not that, trying to walk the dog going yeah. 49 thing. Yeah, no, I think it's a thing. And and also it has a lot to do, to be honest, uh, JK, with the people you're running for. Because sometimes you're like, oh man, this guy, what did he strangle the horse? Because the, the owner or the trainer tell you, you do not gonna lead at any point or don't get close to it. And you're just following order and sometimes it doesn't look very smart, but you're actually following the order of what uh, the guy who's training the horse uh, telling you to do. Uh, sometimes it's like, oh, uh, why this guy buried the horse on the rail? The guy told me, save ground, and if you get lucky, you get lucky. Uh, too bad, you, following order. Uh, writing for people like I do right now, uh, uh, Brad Cock or Steve Asmussen, those type of guys, they like to have free running. They give you free run. They just wish you good luck. So they expect you to be where the horse needs to be or wants to be. Uh, they don't you know, uh, tell you, okay, you're going to have to make sure you uh, save ground, have the horse cover up, make him finish the last quarter of a mile. Uh, they give you more free rein. And I think riding a more lot for for Brad and Steve, the guy like this, who likes their horses forwardly placed, it's allowed me to, to do my thing without any pressure or any uh, repercussion. Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've. That's another thing that that uh, I remember. Um, I can't remember when. I guess it was a couple years ago. 
I, I want to say it was when Ruben Munoz, who, who's Ricardo's agent, I know you know Ruben, had Eric yeah. Cancel. I was I was talking to Ruben and I was complaining to him about Eric burying these horses on the rail when the rail was dead a couple summers ago at, at Saratoga. And I was like, I was like, Ruben, and I love Ruben. I was like, he the, the kid's not gonna have any success if he keeps putting horses on this dead rail. And he explained something to me that I didn't really realize, which is that like he's like, look, Eric's riding 20 to one shots for lower level connections. And when they tell him to put the horse on the rail and save ground and they don't know what's going on, he has to follow those instructions or they're not going to ride him back. And, and he has to do what they're saying. Sure. He could try to improvise a little bit and try to do his own thing. But when you get the instructions to do something uh, and, and your name's not you know, Irad or, 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 or Joel or whatever, like, like these are the situations that, that some of these guys find themselves in. And I, I took an appreciation to that and realized that it, it's not always your decision where you put your horses. Yeah, no, definitely. And like you said, you know, it was a nice note from Ruben to, to tell you that because it really gives you another perspective. Like, all right, well, maybe it makes sense now, but I think at the end of the day, Sometimes people, they give me pointer, this, that, but I always try to adapt to the situation too. You know, sometimes, uh, you know, you ride a, a course with claws, like I did, you know, I didn't like really the trip I had, but I, I feel like my hands were tired and I had, I had no choice. I went to Monmouth last week for Chad and riding the filly of the layoff, uh, Gina Romantica, great filly, coming off a long layoff, grade one winner. Here we have two speed horses who should look like on paper should go at it. And giving uh, honest space on the race in the uh, uh, Eddington uh, Stakes right before the race, boom! Those two horses crashes. None is nothing, zero, no, no, no speed. I'm stuck. The feeling got a little bit of tactical speed, but not so much. I would have loved to see it, you know, maybe four or fifth wizard talked in things, but the 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 plane changed completely. Now. Uh, here I am, I'm going to be a lot closer than I would love to with a Philly coming from a layoff, and here I am, I'm laying second. Yeah, it was an okay trip, but I'm not, it was not the trip you know I wanted to, to give her uh, off a layoff. Uh, if there was those two more speed horses, I think it would have changed the whole thing. But no, it changed the, the dynamic of the race, but sometimes you need to adapt also to the pace and things like that. And sometimes you, you have to put horses where, uh, where they they're going to be comfortable of, of being. Sometimes it could be a little bit closer, a little bit uh, farther. <coughs> but if I don't see much pace, I'd rather be a little bit closer and having the horse pulling less on me than having the horse at the initial position and pulling more. Yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's, and that's the, that's the tricky part about it. It's the hard part I've tried to realize with, with a horse like that you ran, you mentioned Monmouth in, in the Monmouth stage, you rode uh, Tribuven for, for uh, Madikit, which we'll get to, uh, Saul sent me a hilarious story to ask you about what you're going to love. Um, but Tribuven, in that situation, with a horse that you know runs his best on the front end, I- I've always found it to be the biggest, the, the, the hardest part I would think t- to be in your position is how to not go too fast, but not go too slow, but go fast enough that you're using his weapon, but not too fast because he's off a layoff but not too slow to let the closer. It's like, it's a, I, I just can't imagine the, the, the nightmare out there. Cause you don't have a watch. Um, how did you handle that situation? 
Well, I mean, pretty good. I mean, the horse is an older horse, so he knows he knows what he's doing, and if he likes running, he's gonna he's gonna run. This one, he's a good gate horse. Always break well away from the gate, so got a great post that day. Very simple. He broke and lay him on the lead, and I thought that was nice and easy the the first part, and start picking up slowly <coughs> down the backside. Unfortunately, uh, the horse didn't have it that day. It looked like on paper he was long on the speed, and probably should have gone all the way. And uh, here I am at uh, the three eight pole. There was a guy next to me. I can't uh, get rid of, and the horse uh, just decided not uh, not running uh, his best uh, that day. That's the way it is. But I, I thought I, I did, you know, the best I could. You know, fraction was correct. Was perfect, nice, easy lead. Uh, not too slow, not too fast. But at the end, uh, the horse didn't have it. So everything went well according to plan, but no. No, uh, no horsepower at the end. So sometimes, you know, it's, it's uh, that's the way it is. It's tough. I know. I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't think you did anything wrong either. Flo, uh, before we wrap up, uh, a couple of the we talked about a lot of, of of horses that have meant a lot to you, the obvious ones. Um, but I, I was curious if there was kind of an under the radar win or an under the radar horse or a you know, uh, oh, I won the Clark this one time or I, I the, the Natalma or, or this horse or that horse that just kind of an under the radar we didn't talk about that meant a lot to you in your career. Well, I mean, obviously, uh, number one, you know, gun runner, like you said, uh, Monomore Girl, uh, She Does Double has been great to me too, winning the Oaks. <clears throat> uh, one of my first big horse, actually, uh, good question. Uh, I'm a shadow box, love that filly. Uh, sweeped uh, all the Fairgrounds uh, prep, ended up winning the uh, win with uh, Delaware Handicap, grade one at the time, Spinster, uh, she wants a nice one, Mandalorian, obviously, uh, Kentucky Derby uh, slash, uh, you know, <laughs> fake winner, whatever they call him. <laughs> <laughs> funny, funny winner of the Derby, <laughs> whatever, <laughs> he <ended up. laughs> I'm just waiting for the check right now. <laughs> uh, it's getting close. It's getting closer and closer. And you still haven't got. You still haven't gotten it yet. No, I have not. The deal is not done yet. Uh, they're still fighting it. And uh, oh boy, it could change any time. But until I got the money and the trophy, it's not the win yet. When that'll be a nice. Money, that'll be a nice surprise when it comes through, though. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm very curious about the trophy. To be honest, and the ring will 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 be nice. <laughs> uh, this guy, um, recent memory, Sabanife was amazing last year ton of potential. I thought retired, you know, a little bit sooner than I wanted to. I think it would have been an amazing uh, four-year-old, especially uh, how the sire went uh, that way, gun runner, and also the competition. I feel like there is very lack of uh, all the horses this year. You see, uh, Cody Wish is crushing everyone, and uh, almost uh, almost beat him in the mile uh, last year, in the British Cup mile. So I think it would have been really uh, interesting. Right now, I have a horse I really love. Right now, it's a little bit like he's a good grade three, grade two type of horse, but he has a tough time winning a grade one. I don't know if he would. <clears throat> he's set piece. I love that horse. He has a, such a nice eye on him. He has a great demeanor. And he, he's probably my favorite horse in training right now. I just love that guy. I wish I had like a big, uh, you know, ton of acres and I will uh, steal it from uh, from Dreadmont and pulling in my backyard. That's the one I would like. And I already told her. Uh, the racing manager was, you're lucky I don't have a big, a big farm. Or this one, uh, I will uh, definitely uh, be on, be on you already to, to, uh, to retire this guy in my house. So 
he's the he's interesting too because he's like he it's it's funny that like you know you love him so much because you know when i think about set piece i think about him just being being so damn good but then sometimes i can't figure out why he didn't run as well as he could you know because he he does he gives himself so much to do and then you know, for a while he was blinkers, no blinkers. And it, it's just, he's a, it's funny that, that, that a horse that's so, I don't want to say inconsistent. I, I want to say so confusing at times to yeah, be yeah, yeah. a rider's favorite horse. No, it is. No, sometimes, you know, and sometimes he put me in some butt jackpot because, you know, big field, uh, you know, he has no early gate speed. He's always in the back. So in the back, going to be in traffic. So you're going to have to pass a lot of horses down the lane. Sometimes you stand on the fence, you get lucky, it's open up, you look like a genius. When the doors are closed, then you're like, oh, well, what was this guy was doing? Yeah, you can't go, you know, 10 wide sometimes all the way around there and expect to win the race. Sometimes you have to take a risk and it's going to work out or it does not. <clears throat> but uh, no, it's just a cool horse. I think it's just a cool horse to, to be around. He just loves training in the morning and it's just, he's very sweet horse. You can go in the stall and, you know, feed him a peppermint or you know cuddle with him he's just a he's just a cool horse a cool customer and uh, i wish there was more uh, race horses like uh, like this guy so he's almost like a bear <laughs> pretty much now he's almost like a barn favorite he's almost like you know he's almost like the the pony stable but he's not quite so <laughs> i think it's maybe it might be in his near future if uh i think brad wants <laughs> i want to keep him brad wants to keep him everybody wants to keep him but uh I think uh, Brad may have the the last word uh, since uh, <laughs> since I don't have a house with a lot of acres. <laughs> well, Flo, before I let you go, uh, Saul wanted me to tell the story about the time. Ask you to tell the story about the time you guys were in Baltimore and you were going to go to dinner, uh, but you, all you had on was jeans. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, getting by with Saul, you know, I always end up somewhere with, with him. You know, it doesn't matter where it is. And I went to Baltimore and uh, he said, hey, Flo, get dinner. And he didn't tell me, just told me the the day before he want to come with us. I said, yeah, sure. And all I had was like, you know, button-down shirt and this. I was dressed, but not like, you know, suit and tie, whatever. And all he had to tell me is like, hey, the day before, I would have packed it or wear, just wear it. So you go there, he's like, oh, okay, Flo, I got to wear a jacket. I'm like, oh, I don't have any jacket. And I told him, I said, hey, listen, just, just give me one of your jackets. I'm just going to sit down, you know, and hang the thing. It's just one of those, you know, jacket deal type of places. And he said, yeah, sure. And I put me a jacket there. You know, of course, the jacket is way too big. So he's looking at me. He's laughing. He's like, oh, I look like your, your dust jacket or something, you know. <laughs> look like a kid, you know, stole it from someone. And uh, I was like, I was like, yeah, whatever. I didn't really care. I'm like, it's fine. And after that, he told me, he said, oh, bro, I forgot. Uh, he said, uh, they don't uh, allow jeans. I'm like, what? He's like, no, you're going to put the pants. I said, no, I can't do that. I said, eh. And I mean, and he's like, you know, he's, he's way bigger and taller than me. And I had a good thing. The only thing I had like was my, <laughs> was my shoes, <laughs> luckily. And I have my belt. And uh, if I put the pants on, I look like a complete clown. I mean, the <laughs> pants was way too big and thing like this. And we start walking. <laughs> we start walking in a restaurant. I said, listen, I have to sit down really quick. We're going to walk <laughs> to the table as fast as we can. <laughs> and uh, when he, 
And I ask him the other day, I say, hey, you still have the picture? And he sent me the video. I mean, uh, oh, what a joke. I even tell my wife about it. I just said, why didn't you tell me that? I said, oh, I was a little bit embarrassed. I just to <laughs> and those guys, they all have, I'm sure it's going to be, uh, you know, until we die, it's going to be definitely a joke we're still going to tell. And uh, it's going to be, you can still remember how the guy uh, was uh, was dressed that day, the jacket or the pants color and how, you know, bad it fitted. And uh, he was just, uh, <laughs> it was pretty funny, actually. Yeah, pretty he, funny. he actually, he sent me the picture. It's hilarious. It's, it's yeah. very funny. That <laughs> <laughs> was nuts. Yeah. Oh, well, Flo, I, I, I appreciate you taking the time and uh, can't wait to hang out when you get up here to Saratoga this summer. And I'm, I'm glad you guys are going to gonna spend some time up here. That'll be fun. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we'd love to and uh, hope we meet uh, together again, JK, very soon. All right, talk soon. Thanks, buddy. Okay, you're welcome. Anytime, bro. Bye. All I can see is this picture. Uh, I'm going to try to encourage him to, to use it, to tweet it. Uh, in in like a retweet of this episode with that uh with that uh that outfit on um hilarious Saul came in came in uh the podcast already started and Saul sent me a message to tell me to ask about that so I'm glad I got that one in um <laughs> I gotta hear Saul, Saul saying bro but you got you can't wear you can't wear jeans either um uh I really appreciate Flo taking the time uh, I want to thank our friends at Qatar Racing uh as always for supporting uh i'm sure they got some runners at royal ascot this week right we're rooting for i guess i should have looked that up i didn't look but i look i'm sure they do so and if they don't they got caravel here in the u.s and uh actually i think ever mischievous is running this week ever so mischievous or ever so mischievous remember that was the horse that uh, one of the first qatar partnership podcasts i talked about that horse running at aqueduct got beat then one, uh, you know, the, the kind of the, one of the get out races on Derby Day um, and, and won impressively. And I believe is entered on Thursday at Ellis, I think in the third, if I'm not mistaken. So make sure you check that out. Um, we're going to jump out of here. Uh, we're going to root. You're not going to see this. Hopefully you're going to hear this Wednesday. Um, Crimson Advocate for Black Type Thoroughbred Swinbank Stables runs at Ascot on Wednesday morning. So hopefully they won uh, by the time you hear this. Um, and then uh, we'll see what happens the rest of the way uh, through Royal Ascot. Uh, I want to thank PTF. want to thank Drew. want to thank all the, the, the people involved in the money media. And I want to thank you guys for listening. Make sure you share, retweet, tweet, comments, all of those things. Greatly appreciated. Talk next week. I need to know everything. Who and the what and the where I need everything. Trust me, I hear what you're saying, but I like it's new what you're telling me. I'm curious, George, I hop in the Porsche, five and a horse, I'm ready for war, I'm coming for throws to turn to a ghost, I need to know everything. Now you'd be surprised at the info you get is by letting them talk, so I'm letting them talk.